Welcome to Machine Learning. I want to talk about dividends versus uh, price growth. Yesterday, I did a uh, podcast talking about uh, extra space and its price growth, but also its dividends. So when you look at uh, the growth of a stock and its dividends, it makes sense because dividends represent earnings from the company. And that's a fundamental thing for staying in business. So when you look at uh, Amazon or you, uh, and you look at Amazon or, or even Walmart stock, why didn't Walmart stock become valued as much as uh, Amazon? And Walmart had super centers. It had distribution nodes. It was importing... Uh, cargo from the China and you know is advertising cheaper prices and it was positioning itself throughout America in key strategic areas but yet Amazon uh, market valuation continued to climb against Walmart where they focused on internet and internet purchases and so it why didn't Walmart follow a similar pattern to its competitor? And when you look at Amazon stock, why were they paying, uh, why were investors paying the price that they were when Amazon did not at the time have earnings to support the price? Well, it was all based on their future belief of what the position that Amazon would eventually take where it would create its own fleet of trucks uh, for delivery and uh, people would make more purchases on the internet. The same was true with in 2000 when investors paid $112 per share for Yahoo. Why did they pay that share? Well, their earnings per share was about $0.24. Cents. The price to earnings was and $467. Um, the company growth was 8.67 from 2000 to 2008. And so it seems that investors were following earnings to equity ratios in determining the current and future value of the company in the growing the economy. So what they were doing is they were looking at the future value of money. They were looking at the future value of their money. Now, when we, we look at portfolio investment, we're, we look at the risk. So we look at the value at risk and the conditional value at risk. We look for skewness in the distribution curve. So we, we take that distribution curve. Uh, let's say you take a normal distribution that's following a Gaussian value. And then we uh, multiply that by the mean or mu. And also we take in consideration the standard deviation, which shows us the volatility of the stock. So yesterday I showed like how to calculate volatility. It's basically a standard deviation and you can plot that in a histogram or you could put that in a, um, a graph. And volatility shows you uh, the uncertainty levels that the investors are having where they're looking at buying or selling uh, and, and what you're looking for is structural breaks where the buying and selling behaviors now become more uniform. Uh, for example, if 
there was a panic or a, ma a mania, then that would be a structural break. But you have to know where those structural breaks occur. And then what you do is you take uh, uh, ordinary least squares algorithms in segments, and you can see changes in the slope of the line. And that might indicate proof that a structural break occurred. Okay, so when you're looking at portfolio, you're looking at risk management. How much money could I lose in this portfolio? Or what value is at risk with 95% confidence? And so um, those represent kind of the areas that are higher in the standard deviation um, above a certain threshold. So you could say, well, 60% of my portfolio trades or percent earnings are above uh let's say 40% in the standard deviation. And so you have some sort of benchmark that you're comparing. And if for some reason um, the, the, the growth rate drops significantly below the threshold mark, then you know possibly that uh, something in the behavior has changed or that you could have a structural break. Um, those are some of the things that I've been thinking about is, is risk management. But at the same time, when you're looking at the stocks and the dividends, the fundamental question you should be asking is, can this stock beat inflation? So you're looking at dividend growth plus the stock growth, and it's a race. So in the case yesterday when we were looking at stocks, we were racing um, extra space against Cube Matrix, against Exxon, against Rio, against BHP. And in terms of price, um, Exxon seems to catch up with uh, extra space at the very end of the year. So it looked at 254 trade days and looked at the performance in terms of price. But when you look at uh, price and dividends combined, extra space is a very good uh, winner. And if you compare extra space against uh, Rio, which had the highest dividend earnings, uh, for for your investment, then um, Rio would be the the stock where you could get large amount of fixed earnings, but you didn't have very much price appreciation. And then when you were looking at the cost to entry for a thousand shares, the lowest cost to entry would have been Cubix. So you look at Cubix growth and Cube Matrix and. Uh, its growth and its dividends. It's really the best uh, value. Uh, I would say it's kind of like what Hyundai used to be compared to Toyota, is it had a lower entry cost, and then uh, it provided a, a comparable value. They weren't as well-engineered cars in my mind at the time, but they have significantly improved their engineering, and the market now is reflecting the demand for the cars, their style, um, the consumer satisfaction, the luxury, the positioning. And so the, now when you look at a Hyundai, their, their price is comparable to the Toyota. And so what, what am I saying? Well, Cube Matrix could be the highest value in the portfolio. Um, and so what you do is then you put it in a uh, convergence um, matrix takes out the noise variance covariance covariance um, function shrinkage covariance and it takes out the noise caused from random sampling 
And then once you have that, you can feed that into your frontier algorithm. And it will tell you, the based on the risk portfolio, how you should balance your portfolio. What should your weights in that portfolio be based on the risk? And um, in that, the two um, areas were, that were high were uh, for accumulation were Exxon and Cube Matrix and uh, Extra Space. And Rio was the lower part because it was highly volatile. So in that sense, when you're looking at risk, um, it kind of you can weigh out what percentages that you want to have in there based on the volatility of that, that particular stock. But you also have to consider not only that portfolio weighting that way where you're looking at risk, but you also have to look at earnings. So how much uh, will that portfolio earn for me? And uh, based on what the weightings are, what percentages uh, will contribute the, for maximizing the most profit. So that's what we want in a portfolio. And then when you look at your portfolio, will that portfolio be uh, inflation? So why do investors pay a super premium for stock? Well, they're either looking at the future value of money, how much money that uh, stock could earn. They calculate like a projection of the dividends. Let's say they put it in a linear regression and look at the historical performance of the stock. And they do an estimation and say, okay, well, based on this estimation, we think uh, that the stock will perform uh, within these following bands of confidence or intervals or court or quintels and they get their confidence bands and then they they know basically how much profit that they, they can expect from the stock and so they factor in how much of the stock will earn um, how much the price will appreciate and then based on that they may be willing to make the purchase today for that stock in expectations of the future valuations uh, in the future. So as long as the price is climbing upward and earnings are going up, they um, they feel like that the investing into the for the future is justifiable for making the expenditures now. So they are willing to pay a premium for those stocks. Well, in 2008 and 2009, Earnings dropped and profits margins dried up. See, and and once you have a recession, that's where you have to look at the sectors that you have your portfolio in. Are they strong sectors? Well, you're going to have volatility in the energy market. If the if the economy is receding, uh, means businesses are not producing as much, or or in some cases they are overproducing. And so that is driving down in the race to get profits. And because their margins are narrowing, they're having to produce more. And as they produce more, the prices go down. So there's actually an oversupply uh, problem that occurs during deflation. But during uh, during recession, uh, you, you can have a contraction of the economy. But before that, if you have runaway inflation, you have higher interest rates, higher taxes, and that takes away 
profits from the company, so they have to raise prices. And in a product, in the result of raising prices, they're capitalizing, saving for uh, time for when money becomes more difficult to acquire. If a company makes money, then competition is sure to notice. And so we see that, you know, with extra space, it is number two in the storage rental uh, business. But you can see that uh, Cube Matrix is building their model and marketing and becoming a competitor so that they're uh, realizing that there's capital to be earned in that sector. So as companies compete, then the profit margins increased and interest payments remain constant and potential causes losses in revenue versus increases. Yeah, and so that's, that's the great thing about competition is that it provides um, many alternatives for the consumer. The consumer then um, uh, begins to acquire the products or services and as more competition comes in, they lower their price in order to get more customers. Um, or if they have a barrier, and let's say they have a position in a certain state and you know for those storage units, and the competition isn't able to um, acquire land to build other storage units, then they could have a barrier there and they could raise their price and so increase their revenues. So competition does determine that. So ways that uh, companies protect themselves, one, they, they do brand protection, two, they do patents, regulatory. So these are different ways that they can create barriers. So in your portfolio, you can think of like which companies have uh, natural barriers uh, like, for example, with Amazon, you could say, well, what are the natural barriers that it has? Um, it has large server farms, lots of data, um, software, web services, and those web services are now being utilized by companies. Um, they're investing in AI, so the AI services now are becoming used by companies and to improve efficiency in their operations. And so, yes, they are a consumer-based company, but at the same time, they are an informational company. And so as more and more companies or businesses begin using Amazon services, uh, web services like their image recognition, text, rec uh, text summarization, uh, their deep learning, and as the bigger companies who can afford the computational cycles uh, start to build large, large-scale models for dealing with complex real-world um, data, then Amazon will continue to, to receive those revenue streams. And so they do have, they could ha create barriers in the sense that um, as more companies now, the developers are writing to AWS versus... Um, writing their own Python libraries or using Amazon Python, Py, uh, Amazon Java libraries that are integrated with Python, then you can see that Amazon uh, is creating a barrier because now the consumers are locked into that technology. So it's almost like the same thing with Azure or Google. Um, 
cloud is what technology will the companies lock into, their developers will uh, program for, and build their experience and knowledge base there. So the, the, it really is three, three competitors, Google. Uh, for cloud, there's Google, Amazon, and Microsoft. And Amazon is by far the largest um, in the group. So one of the interesting questions is, you know, I've, I've been talking about what to buy, but one of the interesting questions is, is deciding when to sell. So when you look at the portfolio, let's say I'm not looking at uh, uh, portfolios that are frequently traded. Like when I, I look at the volatility of Rio and BHP, um, I'm really only looking at the dividend side, not the price growth because the, the volatility, the percentage uh, change is pretty flat. It's moving within a certain band, and that could be because uh, energy is, like uranium, is bought on a five and 15 year contracts. And so there's lots of, um, of um, trading on, the, on small, small gains or losses. And so that sideways market is not interesting. I want percentage growth to have a smooth, uh, smooth gain curve, almost like we saw in Allstate. But the question is, is when is it time to sell? The best time to sell is when projection, projections turn out positive. The business is prospering and the market is adjusting price to match expectation. There are times when the market gets overly excited and the stock becomes overpriced. This is a perfect time to sell. So that, yeah, and so in the case you can, of, of percentage growth, you can create those bands and we can look at that percentage growth and look at the, at the historical performance on the stock. But if there were, if that percentage growth were to move up into the higher um, band and it sustain that for a certain amount of time, that might indicate that there is uh, excitement about the stock and potentially that it may be overpriced as a result of the optimism and exuberance, and that might be a good time to sell and, and take your profits. Uh, one of the things about portfolio management that I'm interested in is just steady growth. Uh, so I'm not looking for stocks that have a lot of uh, buying and selling. I want low buys and low sales and lots of holds. And that means that, that, that there's a lot of growth that's occurring in the price of that stock. And then at some point at the end um, of the year, of the 254 trade days, then uh, look at rebalancing the portfolio. So instead of just buying and selling all the time in the portfolio, buy put the money in, the $100 million in there, um, wait to the end of the year, rebalance it based on the risk, and uh, create a new portfolio balance, and then hold for the next year. It, you know, keeping money in a losing position in hopes of a rebound is not advisable. Yeah, so just sometimes if you're wrong in the portfolio and, and you have a stock that's just doing terrible, in performance, maybe there's uh, if there was a, a shock where, let's say like Fukushima, where there was uh, a public sentiment was against nuclear energy, 
and uh, wanting to shut down nuclear reactors, that might be a time to just cut your losses and move out of uh, the uranium market in out of your portfolio. But at the same time, I look at uranium and, it, and it, I think, well, you know, as there's more electric vehicles that are coming on the grid, yes, the grid can handle possibly 80% of the cars converting to electric. But at the same time, you have to look at the energy source for that. Now, that would be natural gas, which is accelerated over coal. There are some coal fire uh, plants that are generating electricity in Wyoming and Colorado. But you, you um, and they are huge, and they're producing a lot of electricity. But um, as you look at renewables and the fact that renewables are such a small part of the mar- energy production market, and even if they begin to try to scale that with solar and wind, it still will never uh, achieve 20%. And so where would the increased surge in energy um, production come from has to be nuclear. And so uh, for that reason, uh, the, you know, I could see that nuclear has a strong, um, strong position to stay in the market. During a bear market, money managers sell investments to satisfy redemption, force prices to collapse further, stocks begin trading below their value. The investor's job is to access whether the recession is short-term or long-term. Yeah, we haven't seen recession since 2008, but it's, you know, always recession follows high inflation, and we are seeing inflation cycles that are increasing, and so... uh, that that is a concern.